I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. I feel like we have to start with how we met. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like it's such a very unique way to meet a friend. Um, We were climbing a mountain. We were yes. climbing a mountain. We were Multiple both, times. Yes. We were doing this insane <laughs> endurance challenge, uh, which we have talked about on the podcast before, where we climb this mountain 13 times. And if you climb it 13 times, you've climbed the equivalent of Everest. Absolutely. And um, you have some notoriety in this space, but I did not know who you were. Yep. And probably you didn't know who I was. I didn't was. either. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just saw you charging up this mountain. <laughs> um, I've been involved with the 29029 events for a while. And Jesse and I, uh, Jesse Itzer and I partnered on them to grow it. Um, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, I just saw you charging up. And to be honest, you know, I'm not trying to throw Dave under the bus, <laughs> but you were kind of like, Dave, let's go. Come on. Yeah. And he was like kind of trailing off the back. And yep. I was like, whoa, who's this like powerhouse woman <laughs> crushing it out here? We just start struck up a conversation. So, And I don't even know. It was the funniest thing in the world because i was like i or maybe you said you had a book and i was like oh what what would you write a book about and then you're like well i am the only man ever to walk across antarctica I was like, <laughs> what did you even just say so for people who are not familiar with you will you tell us who you are and what you do you've done so many things but give us sort of like the tops of the trees yeah so uh it's sort of hard to define myself but i guess the most obvious is a professional endurance athlete but there's a lot more than that um you know public speaking as you mentioned i just wrote my first book which is due out on february 4th i'm excited to get that out to the world um but kind of my most i guess notable achievements uh, have been in the world of endurance and particularly adventure endurance so i have four world records um i have the speed record for something called the Explorer's Grand Slam. So I climbed the tallest mountain in each of the seven continents. So Mount Everest, Kilimanjaro, Denali, all back to back, um, as well as went to the North and South Pole. That's called the Explorer's Grand Slam in record time. So I have the speed record for that 139 days, as well as the seven summits. Um, and then I also did something called the 50 High Point. So I climbed the tallest mountain in each of the 50 U.S. states in just 21 days, which I didn't is know that. Uh, a whole other crazy story um, <laughs> about legit. I mean, 50 states in 21 days, just being in 51 states in 21 days is yeah. like a whole crazy crazy logistics and my wife Jenna as you know is a huge part of all of this and the dreaming and the planning but then I guess most recently last year I became the first person in history to cross Antarctica solo unsupported and unaided so a thousand mile journey via the South Pole people have been trying for about a hundred plus years unsuccessfully uh, and I was able to become the first person to successfully complete that crossing and the bigger thing you know we can get into this but for me yes it's about pushing myself and kind of pushing my own boundaries but it's also about sharing it with the 
the world in a way that people can take from it. Because I mean, I don't really care so much about being the athlete in the arena, but I believe that all of us, all of us humans on this planet have these reservoirs of untapped potential inside of us to achieve amazing things. And I just personally love pushing myself in that way. And sure, if you're listening to this, it's probably not your thing to go around and freeze your butt <laughs> up by yourself in the middle of Antarctica. But I know that there's hopes and dreams and goals and ambitions inside of you, burning things that I know that you can accomplish. And that's what I really try to you know share with people through my own journey and my story to inspire other people to take those first steps in their lives and conquer their dreams and their goals, whatever they might be. So what I think is so interesting, I mean, there's so many things that are interesting about you, but I, maybe because I'm not familiar with endurance athletes, it's like you and David Goggins. That's like who, I, that's who I am aware <laughs> the of. Whole right? universe, that's the whole athlete. universe. But um, I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody else who does totally different things. Yeah. So usually you hear about someone who's like an ultra runner and then they're challenging themselves in different races, let's say. But I've never met someone who's doing just totally different. Explain like where that comes from. Yeah, you know, so my background, I, I grew up, you know, in Portland, Oregon. Um, I was a you know, competitive swimmer as a kid. I uh, went on to swim in college. And then I, um, you know, we could talk about it a little bit later, but I, you know, severely burned in this fire, which kind of completely changed my life, but ultimately led to me to racing triathlon professionally. Um, so for a long time, you know, kind of my earlier kind of formative life as an athlete, I was, you know, doing either swimming or that transition to triathlon, swimming, biking and running at a professional level. But about five years ago, I kind of got this idea for, you know, cultivating my own passions in things that I'd never done before. And imagine uh, that you have talked about this many times through your content and, you know, this idea of a growth mindset, this idea of like, hey, like, I don't know how to do this, but I've always when I was a little kid, I always dreamed about climbing Mount Everest. Like I just wanted to climb Mount Everest. I read every book I possibly could about it as a kid. And here I am, you know, I was probably like 27, 28 at the time I was a professional athlete. And I still had that dream inside of me. And it's this moment where I was like, oh, is that just always going to be a dream? Or can I actually go after that and do that? And so Jenna and I, it was 2014. Um, we had just gotten engaged actually on a mountaintop in Ecuador. And we were kind of looking at each other like, what do you want to do next? And we got like talking in this brainstorm session. I was like, well, I still want to push my body in unique and interesting ways. But I'm kind of sick of just like racing on a race course, you know, doing the same thing I'd, I'd done my whole life. And she was like, great, if you could do anything, you know, if you had any skill or whatever, what would that be? And I was like, I would climb Mount Everest and maybe the seven summits too. Um, and she's like, awesome. She's like, so just we just kept dreaming. And, you know, we kind of... And she was like, I was like, what else do you want to do? And she's like, I'd love to do that, but I want it to have like larger impact. Like I want to keep supporting you and our dreams. But her and I had also talked a lot about sort of health and wellness and how we can support others and that their own passions for that. And so we're like, well, let's start this nonprofit. You know, let's start this nonprofit that's about supporting young people, getting them active and outside. And so, you know, we always joke about this moment where it's like, we're going to set the world record for the Explorers Grand Slam. Take, don't mind that I don't really know that much about mountaineering. <laughs> oh, we're going to start this nonprofit and have all this impact around the world. No, no matter, we don't have any funding. We don't know how idea to start a nonprofit, whatever. We get back to our apartment, one bedroom apartment at the time. And there's just like a whiteboard, some papers thrown across the ground. And we know nothing. Like, and that's the point where I think like most big ideas like are easily dead. You're going like, oh, that was fun when we got engaged and we were like dreaming up this fun, like magical future together totally but you get there and you're like yeah but like we have no money no funding no background in this who's who's why do you think you could climb mount everest like you crazy you know but instead we're like 
what's the first step? And literally, since we had no money and funding, what do we do? Like, we have internet. Okay, Google. Like, Google. Yes. <laughs> like, literally, like, we have open Google. It's like, okay, we want to have a media campaign. Google, what's the difference between marketing and PR? Google, how do you start a 501c3 nonprofit? Go down the rabbit hole of, like, you know, the government paperwork and the yep. tax implications and, like, all the things we didn't know anything about. And, you know, it's easy to say this now. It was a long road. It was a couple of years of, like, asking every person we knew for advice, like, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, fast forward two years later, we raised the half a million dollars we needed to pull the project off. We started this nonprofit. And we were speaking at public schools all across the country. And ultimately, our project, that first big world record project, I set the world record. But more importantly, we created 500 million earned media impressions, you know, from two people not knowing what PR was two years before. Yeah. And that, you know, I don't care about having my name in the newspaper but i care because it gave us the platform we wanted to actually have that impact and so i mean the question was why do these kind of different things and i say like why not you know like for me i'm not bound by you know what i can't do in this moment it's like what do i want to do okay and then let's figure out how to get there let's have that growth mindset so that's how jen and i have taken it into the future with our other expeditions of like cool like what do we want to do next what do we want to explore what are the other things we're passionate about even if we don't know how to do it like we figure we can probably figure out how to do it over time Absolutely. So did you always have this mindset where you always sort of this curious, I want to sort of see what these things are. And also I'm confident that I can find a way or is that something that you grew into? You know, I don't think it'd be fair to say that, you know, maybe some people are just put on this earth with like just unbound, you know, confidence in themselves. Like, you know, I'm human. I have my doubts. I have my low moments. I have the times when I tell myself this is going to fail. This is not going to work. This is hard. You know, I have been fortunate to be surrounded by some really positive influences in my life. Most notably, my mother um, is just an extraordinary woman that has wrapped me sort of in positivity and love throughout a lot of hard times in my life. You know, I mentioned it briefly before but you know after graduating from college I was traveling I didn't have any money when I was a kid but I always dreamed about traveling around the world and so I took a surfboard and a backpack and um, you know hitchhiked basically and stayed in youth hostels but got to see a little bit of the world I was kind of like my lifelong dream I painted houses every summer since I was 16 to save up and so when I graduated from college I had a few thousand dollars and like bought a plane ticket and went out into the world and it was an amazing experience. It was actually how I met Jenna. Um, she was I met her um, actually in Fiji. There was a free layover in Fiji, and I met this beautiful girl um, who turned out to be my wife. So that was amazing 12 years ago. Um, so that was a, a fortunate occurrence of this trip. But unfortunately, not long after that, um, I found myself uh, in rural Thailand, 22 years old, and I saw these guys jumping flaming jump ropes uh, on the beach in Thailand. It looked like a great idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we could see how that turned out. Unfortunately, in an instant my life changed that rope wrapped around my legs and let my body completely on fire to my neck uh, I had to jump in the ocean to extinguish the flames which ultimately saved my life but not before about 25% of my body um, was severely burned and the worst thing about it was I was in the middle of nowhere in Thailand small island no proper hospital moped ride down a dirt path mm. there was a um a cat running around my bed in the ICU in this kind of makeshift hospital and the doctors walked into me and said I hate to tell you this but you're never going to walk again normally um, and you know I had identified myself as a long time as an athlete that's kind of how I thought of myself as you know a physically active person and you know it's a big turning point in my life and your question was about growth mindset so in that moment if I'm being dead honest like I thought it was over for me. Or at least my personal identity had evaporated. Yeah, the physical trauma of these burns were immense, but th there's nothing worse than the emotional trauma of someone being like, you're not ever going to be the person you always thought you were anymore. It's over, um, which kind of just like deadpan. 
And I was in that hospital for several days. And eventually my mother, she was able to fly over to Thailand and sit with me in that hospital room for the many weeks after that. And, you know, I, I don't have kids myself yet, but I hope to in the next couple of years, certainly is a, something I want to have in my life. But, you know, I can only imagine what it's like to be a mother. I mean, you're a mother, like what it would be like to see your kid in this helpless state. And I know now that she was in the hallways crying, yeah. pleading with the doctors, full of anxiety and fear, understandably. But she actually never showed me her own fear. She wow. came into my hospital room every single day just with this huge smile on her face. And there's this air of positivity, you know, saying to me, like, Colin, like, this is a bad situation, but this is not the end of your life. Like, this too will pass. Like, what do you want to do when you get out of here? And that was kind of like that first interjection to, like, a growth mindset. Like, we're in this bad situation right now, and it's going to be bad for a while. But, like, this is not forever. Like, what do you want to grow towards? And I looked at her, and I was, I looked down at my legs. I mean, like, you see the pictures of it. It's horrific. And I looked down at the legs, and it's like, I don't, I, I don't have an answer for you. And she just kept at me every day. What are your goals? What are your dreams? What are your hopes? What are your goals? What are your dreams? And finally, she goes, do me a favor, Colin. Close your eyes today and open them after you've pictured yourself in some positive version of your own future. So I closed my eyes like, fine, mom, I'll play along. Like I said, it's still not buying in really. And I closed my eyes and uh, I pictured myself crossing the finish line of a triathlon. I had never done that before. I'd been a swimmer, like I said, but I've never you know, done triathlons before. But in my mind, it was like, that's what like a fit, healthy, strong, back on my feet type of version of myself looked like. And so I opened my eyes and I said, well, I'm just going to tell you what I saw in my vision, mom. I saw myself crossing the finish line at a triathlon. And again, like huge credit to my mother. She could have easily looked at me and been like, you know, I said set a goal, but like maybe something a little more realistic given the doctors told you you're never going to walk again. Yeah. Like, you know, like, but like, let's make it, you know, I want you to have a future, but maybe, you know, something more realistic. And instead she just looks me dead in the eyes and she goes, I love you. I can see it too. You're going to cross that finish line. <laughs> you know, Your mom. Oh <laughs> and gosh. that was it from that moment onwards, it was fixed our mind and, you know, go back to Google. I mean, she literally was like, neither of us know a lot about triathlons. Like, let's just like start talking about it. where are the races? How do you do it? How far are the distances? How this, she literally goes to the doctors. She goes, tell this doc what you're training for. I said, doc, I'm training for a triathlon. Now I'm in Thailand. I'm bandaged to my waist. <laughs> and I forced him to bring me these like 10 pound weights for arms. I said, I got to start working out doc. He's looking at me like I'm crazy, but he's like, he sees this look in my eyes. And so several months I'm in the Thai hospital finally fly back to Portland, Oregon, where I'm from. And I was carried on and off the plane to fly home. I was placed in a wheelchair when I got home, like literally haven't taken a single step. And, you know, all credit due to where my mother is again. And again, I was like, okay, maybe that was just a nice fantasy in the hospital. Now I'm back home. I'm in a wheelchair. And my mom, the first day I'm back in my, my house in Portland, I'm out of the hospital. I'm sitting in my wheelchair. I'm in my mother's kitchen. And she wakes up. She goes, okay, Colin, now I know we've got the big triathlon goal. But today your goal is to take your very first step. And she grabs a wooden cha cha chair from our kitchen table and places it one step in front of my wheelchair. She goes, the incremental success towards your goal is you today somehow getting out of that wheelchair and taking your very first step. And it took me three hours that day sitting in that, you know, that, that wooden there, my wheelchair to take that first step. But I did it. And it was that long road of, you know, this progression. And, you know, fast forward to the end of the story, it's a year and a half until I actually tow the start line of a, at a triathlon. I moved to Chicago, you know, needed to get a job and kind of get my life back on track. So I moved to Chicago and signed up for the Chicago triathlon. And uh, I started the race and I, you know, I swam a mile, I rode 25 miles on my bike and I got my running shoes on and ran a 10K and ran 6.2 miles to cross the finish line. 
But to my complete and utter surprise, you know, finishing the race, I had set my goal and I had done it, but I had actually not just finished the Chicago Triathlon, but I actually, to my complete surprise, actually won the entire Chicago Triathlon, which was, like I said, a complete surprise to me. And, you know, I, I didn't expect it at all. But it wasn't this moment where I was like, oh, my God, well, I must just be an amazing athlete. Like, this is great. It was the opposite of that. And going back to your initial question, it was like I went back in my mind and immediately thought, what would have happened had my mom not forced me to look towards the future and set this goal and set a positive outcome? Because the sort of sliding doors or the butterfly effect of that moment, like my mother's positivity saved me. And also taught me one of the most meaningful lessons of my entire life, which is when we shift our mindset towards the positive, we're going to all face hard times. Like that's inevitable. Like that's just a given. Just accept that. But in those moments, we get to choose how to react. And if it had been left up to my own devices, I would have reacted negatively. My life's over. I'm never going to be the same. The doctor says I'm not going to walk again. I'm just going to be in this wheelchair. Like I'm going to probably, you know, have a cane or crutches or something like that. Like that's where it looked like in my head. My mom completely reframed that for me and kind of shifted my entire life. And so my path since then, I was, you know, 10, 11 years ago, has been in my own life, cultivating my own curiosity for what more lives inside, what other big things can I set my mind to and achieve, but also doing in a way to sharing with others, which is what I'm mostly deeply passionate about, is to unlock that potential inside of everyone, because I think that we all have that. And I think you know that, you know, fundamentally in your own life. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. It's so crazy. I just did an interview last week with uh, a soldier who had um, received the Congressional Medal of Honor, youngest person ever, um, threw himself on a grenade mm. uh, to save his his partner. And um, he has a eerily similar story of how he sort of got out of that place, which was his thing was he was going to go to college. So he's sitting in this hospital bed with these severe burns, and he, I mean, it was horrific. Mm-hmm. And um, the day he checks out of Walter Reed, which was after the longest day, right. the day he checks out of Walter Reed, he drives himself and goes, well, not drives himself, but goes yeah. and um, signs up for school. 
Wow. That was his thing. Right. And a very similar situation in that his mom was the one who like, come on, we're doing this. What? Are we, where are we going? What are we aiming at? What are we looking at? I just think there's something really powerful. I always think when you hear something three times, the universe is really trying to help it land. I love that. So for those listeners who are going to have heard his story and now your story as well, who are walking through hard seasons, I really want that peace to land, that there is power in looking above the waves. Yep. There's a there's power in knowing like something else is, is for me because I'm claiming it. Like where I am right now, this is not where I have to stay. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you get from I'm running a triathlon to Antarctica because <laughs> – I don't, that is like not, it's beyond, it's, I don't even, that has never occurred to me in my life. Yes. Not even once have I been like, huh. <laughs> I should, should go walk I? around out there. Yeah, like where did that even come from? You know, I'll get there in a second. I just want to underline, if it wasn't clear enough from the last story, like just shout out to the mothers. I know there's a lot of mothers that listen to this mm-hmm. podcast and, you know, the influence that we have, you know, not only of course in your own life, but the influence we have on the next generation. Like I said, I hope to be a father someday soon. Um, and certainly just the love and positivity uh, of Jenna and my wife and, and my mother have been the, the most important. Uh, sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm the one getting interviewed, but truly the people that should be being interviewed more often is my mother and Jenna and sort of these, you know, strong, positive female influences in my life has actually been, you know, absolutely the game changer. And it's, you know, and I think that we have the ability to uplift each other, right? Like it's, it's this thing of like, you know, my mother did this for me, um, but it's that cycle of being able to sort of uplift and, and create and, uh, and help the other people see above the waves in their hardest moments as yeah. well and be there for each other. So that's been a huge learning lesson for me as well. But, you know, how do you get from <laughs> racing this first triathlon uh, to Antarctica? Well, it didn't happen the next day, that's for sure. Um, although I, uh, like I said, didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid and, and had this job in finance and, you know, thought that, oh, I've got, I've got a good career now. But when I won the Chicago triathlon, uh, a lot of people were surprised but I actually walked into my office on Monday and quit my job. Whoa, crazy. Um, and I just Because you called. were like, what? Like, this is a new me? Yeah, um, yeah, I was just kind of like, wow, like, not, not nothing against like, you know, working in an office as a finance job, but I was like, well, what more is inside of me? Like, what more do I, can I cultivate here? And I got an opportunity to basically be a sponsored athlete. And what that literally meant is like sleeping on other friends' floors and like having a couple plane tickets to races. It was like not like professional sport, like major league yes, basketball yes. or something, or major league baseball or something. Um, but, uh, Yo, it, it gave me the, the ability to do that. So for the next six years, I raced triathlon for the U.S. national team all over the world. Um, and Jenna was there with me pretty much that entire time, our relationship deepened and ultimately into our engagement that I talked about. And, you know, she really dove in with me um, to the, the, the support of that, but ultimately the business side of it, which is something I think you and I have in common, you know, which she was like, all right, well, let's let's figure out sponsors. Let's figure out media. Let's figure out how this entire sort of business side of sports works. Um, mostly for us, it was out of necessity. Like, yeah. Literally to like keep the lights on at our apartment, you know, like, um, and so I could keep pushing my body. And ultimately, you know, what we've been again to continue to create is is more of that um, from the entrepreneurial side of things, which has been, you know, really interesting and fun and and amazing to do with my partner, certainly. Um, But, uh, you know, I had a bit of a mindset shift um, at some point. I, I can't exactly f- place it. There's a couple of kind of moments where it came through, but I thought of myself as an athlete for a really long time. And then there was a moment where a couple years ago, after I'd set a couple of these world records, so the world records that I had done had been like going faster than other people in these kind of big, you know, mountaineering challenges or other, you know, challenges. And I thought, I actually started thinking of myself for the first time as a creative person, actually as someone, as an artist. 
And it was a really interesting mindset shift for me because I'd always, you know, I guess I'm a guy, I've been an athlete, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, there's the artist, that's like the right brain, there's the left brain, you know, type A, athlete, you know, whatever type of person. And so I never thought of myself as a creative person, but as I looked back on some of our projects and what Jen and I were creating, I realized that they were these like creative expressions. They were us taking an idea that we wrote on a whiteboard from nothing, no resources and bringing it to life, which is actually not that different than like, you know, a sculptor taking a lump of clay and slowly like chiseling away at it and forming it into something and then presenting it to the world so that the world can experience it and have a ripple effect of positivity from it. And so as I started thinking of myself as an artist, which was a huge kind of awakening moment for me personally and my own personal growth, I thought, well, my canvas just happens to be endurance sports. But a true artist would want to create something entirely unique, not just replicate what somebody else has already done, but faster or, you know, quote unquote, better. And so in the world of exploration, this Antarctica expedition, this solo crossing of Antarctica was actually a world first. It was something that no one in history had ever accomplished. Now, I wasn't trying to do that again to like beat my chest and be like, ah, people have tried this. I mean, unfortunately, a couple people have died attempting this exact same challenge before. And there was many people out in the kind of, you know, world of commentary that said, you know, this Antarctica crossing is impossible. The reason being is it's also what it's called unsupported. So there's no resupplies of food or fuel or outside assistance. So it meant that I had to put all of my food or fuel in a sled behind me, which ultimately weighed 375 pounds and pull it behind me. Um, and other people who have attempted have actually either like run out of food or run out of supplies or gotten sick and things like that. And so, you know, Jenna and I decided together, you know, let's call our project The Impossible First. That's what we named our project. And it's actually also the name of my book um, that's coming out soon um, because we thought, you know, some people thought, oh, that's kind of a, what are you, are you cocky? Are you trying to say like, people say it's impossible and you know, you say that you can do it. And it was the opposite. It was actually saying people have said this is impossible and it literally might be impossible, <laughs> yeah. but we're going to try Yeah. because the most interesting growth from us has happened when we stepped so far outside of our comfort zone. If we fail at doing this, like, great. We yeah. tried to do something that was so audacious that we failed. I'd rather do that than like set small goals that I know a hundred percent certainty that I'm going to accomplish. Absolutely. And don't get a lot out of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And so, you know, we set this goal and again, you know, to cook a year plus in the planning, all this like research and all, you know, kind of, you know, logistics and science and stuff to figure out my body and food that I needed to bring and all the different elements. But ultimately, really, you know, to your question, it was it was born from this desire to step into a truly unknown thing, something I'd never explored, Antarctica with that much depth and being alone. That was the other piece of it. You know, I've become more and more curious about mindset and sort of the inner uh, journey than I have in the external journey. And I thought, what better place than to go be alone in Antarctica for two months? And, you know, the sun never sets there. It's 24 yeah, hours of daylight. I remember when you told me that. That's so, crazy. There's nothing to see. I mean, after you get past the coast, there's no mountains. There's nothing. So you're in a 24-hour daylight, like, white room of nothingness. Uh, and some people think this is absolutely insane. But I actually deleted... Um, all but five albums off of my phone. So I had no music, no podcast, no nothing with the intentionality of actually going as deep as I could into the silence and the stillness oh to see what creativity I could cultivate Whoa. from inside of there. Can, can, like, truthfully, did you come out of that with any PTSD? Like, do you feel like you had, like, negative effects of it or it was just this beautiful, like, rebirth, this is who I am? 
I mean, it tested me harder than, you know, it, it's almost hard for me to put into words, even, you know, this process, you know, my book, it, it's about the Antarctica journey, but it really, you know, goes back into my life and kind of the entire process of what brought us here, Jen and I's love story, our entrepreneurial venture of, of launching this book, you know, uh, so there's a lot of different elements of the story, but that, you know, the top level of the story is, is through the frame of this journey and kind of this growth that I'm experiencing. And the truth is, is it, it broke me to my core. I mean, there were days of sobbing, tears, deep distress. Um, you know, there's often days with 50, 60 mile per hour winds, which get about wind chill of about minus 80 degrees. And if I did, I couldn't take a single rest day because if I took a single rest day, I was actually going to run, run out, out of, food. of food. Yeah. And so I'd wake up in the morning and be you know, minus 80 wind chill. I mean, that's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. It's not like, oh, I have to go out in that for a minute. It's I have to pack my sled up and walk in that pulling a 375 pound sled for the next 12 hours and then sit by myself with no music, no nothing to look at anything, and then set my sled or tent back up and get inside and do it again 54 days in a row. And so, you know, PTSD, I, I'm not sure uh, exactly, um, you know, obviously, I, I equate that to the to the armed services more than anything. And I, I don't try to pretend like I know what it's like to be in combat. You know, I have nothing but the most utmost love and respect for anyone who served in that capacity. And I don't try to pretend like I, I know that sure, or, you know, yeah. experience. But there was some depths of despair that I reached out there. I mean, I, 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 there's actually a chapter in my book that's titled Frozen Tears because, I mean, there were times when I was just sobbing and crying and then there's nothing more pathetic than what happens when you cry when it's, you know, minus 30 degrees outside. The tears, they start freezing oh to your gosh. face. Um, and so, you know, I was broken um, in a lot of ways. There's a there's a video that I have of myself. Um, it's on the 48th day. I've been battling storms nonstop. I mean, when there's storms, I actually can't literally can't see anything um, at all. And so I'm navigating with a compass, but like struggling to even find my way. It's like just being lost in this endless white room by yourself. Um, and I finally get in my tent that day and I just look in the camera and I was like, I just want to quit. Like it's over. Like I was just at my absolute lowest, darkest moment. Um, and, and that was tough for me to find, to hit that low, but also at the same time, um, I actually, one of my favorite, uh, have you read the alchemist, one of my mm -hmm. all time favorite books, you know, um, my mom gave it to me when I was 17 and right before college. And there's a, there's a passage in there that says we often die of thirst when crossing the desert, just a few moments before seeing the palm trees on the horizon. And that's sort of an allegory or a metaphor that stuck with me throughout my life. But what it means to me anyways, what I take from that is sometimes you set massive audacious goals. In this case, the alchemist, he's, he's trying to walk across this crazy desert in search of his own sort of journey. Um, but right before the finish line, we break and we quit or we want to quit like it's over like I, you know I, I gave it my best and like it's over and I imagine you know I don't know everything about your story but I imagine in your business and the success that you've had there's probably been some moments right before massive successes where you just felt absolutely broken like absolutely. you know what like it's over yeah and that's where I was in this moment day 48 like shattered and crying in my tent like completely broken down and have those moments left their scars potentially but what I realized by getting, literally getting out of my tent and the mantra that, you know, certainly not my mantra, but something that's been powerful for me is like, you know, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And like saying like this actual external storm is not going to last forever. And I found myself on the 53rd day that finally the storm clears and it's Christmas day. And I wake up that morning um, and I get out of my tent and I start pulling my sled 
and I feel completely different. Like I can barely lift my bag into my set, my sled that day because like my body's broken down. Like my ribs are sticking out, my hips are sticking out. I'm running out of food and I realize I'm only 77 miles away from the finish line, which is the closest that any human has ever been. Someone made it 100 miles from finishing this and fell ill and died a few years ago. And so at that point, that's that breaking point. Like, oh, where, where am I going to go? Like, is the fear going to overtake me? But the craziest thing happened, which is I had been trying to find this place inside my mind in this flow state of calm and positivity and sort of meditative bliss that I finally found in that moment. And I wake up and sort of in this moment and I realize like I'm stronger than I've ever been. I've, I've gone through this rebirth. I'm so broken down. Like if you looked at my body physically, you'd be like, that guy can't walk another step. But I found this place inside of me that actually was like, I'm stronger than ever. And I believe that place exists in every single person, a hundred percent. Like we just don't allow ourselves to get there. We limit ourselves long before that. Um, And I'm certainly guilty of that at times in my life. But what unfolded over the next, you know, set of days was probably the most profound experience of my entire life, which was, you know, I, uh, you know, felt so connected that I decided to myself, my average distance had been about 15 to 20 miles per day. So I thought maybe I've got three or four more days left to finish this thing. But all of a sudden inside my brain, I go, how many more hours would that be pulling my sled? I'm like, okay, maybe it's 40 hours more of pulling my sled over the course of four days. But wait, it's still 24 hours of daylight here. What if I don't stop? And so I actually decided in my mind, I was like, I'm, I'm so connected right now to everything that I wanted. I'm not going to stop until I finish this thing. And so I ended up actually pushing 32 hours straight, nonstop, 77 miles to finish this thing. And I completely attribute that to the mind. What I found deep, deep, deep after unpeeling all these layers of wanting to quit, of wanting to give up, of being broken, of being frostbitten, of being afraid, of all the things, what I found on the other side of all of that hardship was not more hardship. I think it's easy to think if you're going down this, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But what I found on the other side of that was this flow state, this bliss, this calm, this connectedness to the universe, you know, you know, depending on, you know, what your faith is, you know, everyone has different beliefs. But, you know, for me, I found myself connected to this ever presence of of love i actually opened my arms up on the ice that day like raised them up to the sky and started saying infinite love infinite love infinite love because i felt all of that love of my mother and the support and the students we're ultimately talking to you know millions of students now through the nonprofit and things like that of this sort of resonant positivity coming to me and it's a crazy thing to say i was the most literally actually literally the most alone person in the entire world the middle of antarctica (laughs) by myself i probably objectively the most alone person but in that moment i found this place in my mind and my body and my spirit my soul where i felt more connected to humanity and love and compassion and empathy than ever before and so you know i it was an amazing experience in my own life but i think that it really i I do believe that it applies to everyday life and the capacity of we are going to face hard times you are going to face storms you are going to face a moment sitting alone in your proverbial tent where you're looking outside and the storm is raging and you want to give up you want to quit but i say like go back out there. Like the palm trees might just be right (laughs) over the next ridge or at least in the emotional ways of like, you are going to find that calm, that peace, that bliss, that love, that infinite love. Like it is there for you, for all of us to tap into and access when we allow it. I think the, I'm remembering back in the day when I, before I ever ran 
one time other than like eighth grade, you know, PE, get around the mile or whatever, how much I used to look at people who were endurance athletes and just be like, what is wrong with this? <laughs> like, what is wrong with it? And now I'm one of these people. But what I think is so powerful about what you're saying and I think is the magic of an endurance and, and just for clarity's sake, an endurance challenge for a listener right now could be a 5K. Of course. Like it's just pushing yourself, your body, your brain, all of you in a way that you didn't think you could go. And the, the power in something like that is that it's failure you choose. So yeah. I think in life things are going to happen. Hard times are going to happen. We might feel whatever. That's a given. But the beauty of endurance is like you are choosing this pain. You are choosing this discomfort. Life is going to make you uncomfortable and life is going to hurt you no matter what. But there is such a beauty in like, this is how I choose. I don't know if this sounds like sick, but like, this is how I am choosing to suffer. Yeah. And by doing that, I leave knowing how powerful I am. Absolutely. Knowing that like, I always think of it as, I remember when I was running my first marathon that I, I think we always know, like you know your day or maybe in your races or your triathlons, like we always remember the hardest mile, yeah. like at least I do. Oh, yeah. And so I remember mile 18. <laughs> it was so horrible. Like I am, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm, this is impossible. What the hell was I thinking? And I remember pulling on um, having my son, 52 hours of labor and, you know, an hour and a half of pushing. And it was so hard and it was so painful. And it was like, oh, no, remember you did that. Yeah. You can do this. Like you and you need we need these things to look back on when life throws us something hard so that we know what we're capable of. And I hope oh, I hope that listeners right now i hope you're getting inspired like you don't have to go try and and walk across no no that is not the message but man like what's your version of that because i i have never one time met someone who challenged themselves to do an endure and finished and regretted it i've never never met a single person no like they might say like that was hard i don't but i've never met someone who's like i wish i hadn't done that thing I agree. And I think that, you know, like you said, like it could be a 5K, it could be a long hike, it could be, there's so many different things that it can be. But as long as you're pushing the edges of your comfort zone, you are going to get growth from that. And so sometimes people say to me, like, oh, you know, maybe running a marathon is easy for me. First of all, running a marathon is not easy for me. It's hard for no matter who it <laughs> is, right? And we saw from the 2929 event, you know, people were out there that took different times to yes. finish, but people were pushing themselves and getting so much out of actually setting that goal and challenging them themselves that goal and even the people there you know some people didn't make all 13 laps but i'll tell you the people that made nine laps they were you know maybe a little disappointed they didn't finish it but they got a lot of those nine laps and they might be back next year to try the 13 laps. well and i i want to talk about that too there's something so powerful about doing an event where there are other people yeah you find this in half marathons absolutely we found this on the mountain there's something so beautiful about watching Every kind of person, every size, every age, every background, and the mountain equalizes us all. Like it didn't matter. I mean, there was that one guy who like literally ran it. The one who (laughs) won. I don't. He had a funny name. Remember (laughs) him? Moosh. Yes, yes, yes. That guy was crazy. I think he did the last lap in a speedo. He did, and I was like, "Don't rub it in, man." Um, But there was something so incredible. Like it didn't matter if if you were super strong and and you could take the mountain like he did yeah. you put in your pain 
on the front end. Like yes. you did the training to get to that yep. place. And if you weren't at the place that he was, you're putting in your pain on the mountainside. But we all are putting in the effort that gets us up and over that thing. Yeah. And I just think there's something so beautiful about watching a group of human beings coming together and all challenging themselves in the same way. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, and you spoke to something that again, I am the least person qualified person or expert on because we're going to talk about uh, childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> um, clearly, I have no context for that. Um, but I, it's interesting to me that you brought that up because it's actually something that I've thought of often before. You know, I've heard you know people say, you know, I could never run a five k. You know, my my shins hurt or I'm gonna get injured or I'm gonna this and and I'm looking at this woman. She's like, but I have four kids, and I'm like. Look, yeah. you are ten hundred thousands of times more strong yes. than that five K. You've yes. been tested, you know, in a way. And it's interesting, again, like I'm I'm well well uh beyond my my personal understanding here. Uh clearly I'm stepping out on a ledge here, but I would say that, you know, something like that, something like childbirth, it's kind of I don't want to say forced on you because you're hopefully making the choice yeah. to have a child yeah. but the actual event of the birth yeah. is it's a given. Like you're Coming. pregnant, nine yep. months later, yep. like you're, that's gonna <laughs> happen. Happening. Right? And so, again, I've never been myself to that experience, but it's something about when that's like kind of forced, we realize that we can do it because it's forced. You don't have a choice. You're not like, uh, yes. maybe I won't have the kid. You know, yes. I changed my mind or whatever, right? Yeah. Like that's not going to happen. Whereas with the 5K, with the 10K, like you can sign up and then be like, ah, actually, I totally. didn't do the training or like maybe I shouldn't go to the event or whatever. But like take strength from the things that you've been forced to or the hard things in life, like, right? Like a family member gets a cancer diagnosis, mm -hmm. like, and you have to go through that, that, that challenge, maybe that loss or that grief. Like you didn't choose that, but you get through it and it's hard and you might grieve that loss for decades mm -hmm. or for the rest of your life, whatever that is. But like you're forced into that. So like as humans, the human experience is we are forced into these challenging times and we can have aversion to them and be like, oh my God, I can't go through this or whatever. And I think what you said about choosing to put yourself in that environment and push through it makes you realize like there are so many things that are going to come your way that are outside of your control, but it gives you that resilience to actually understand that you can frame your mind around them and gain strength and move forwards in them in a positive way and so again that's not the most articulate thought but it's something that i do think Absolutely. about which is these moments that are forced upon us versus the moments that we choose and what the difference of them and i think that there is so much strength that can be gained from all of them because most people if you've been on this earth for a few decades like you've gone through some hard things in your life and actually if you look back through your life you might think oh i'm not the type of person that does this or has the strength to do x y and z like i actually bet that you have persevered that you have gone through some incredible things and that you are more powerful than you give yourself credit for absolutely i think that um it it's so crazy the idea of like i'm gonna play it safe i'm gonna i'm gonna stay here that would be cool yeah i see my friends do this thing and i would like to do that but over here it's comfortable and it's safe and i can't and it's like I, maybe this is just my experience and you have some similar stories as well but like Stuff's gonna happen. Yes. You're gonna go to Thailand and you're gonna see something that seems fun and you're gonna like that's that's life. I feel like you can get hurt just sitting still. You can get hurt hanging out in your house. You can get hurt in your marriage. You, life can be hard. So you trying to play it safe, hoping that nothing bad is gonna happen to you, is crazy. Yeah. Because you are missing these chances for these beautiful, incredible things. I think, I know, I, I recognize that like me a decade ago wouldn't even know 
the woman that mm-hmm. is talking right now. Yeah. Like she would be like, what <laughs> are you even saying? Even the, even the experience on the mountain, right? Like, so how you hit that moment where you're like, I could be at home in a bed right, right. now. You're like like I chose I- this <laughs> and I paid money to do this stupid thing. Like I remember getting up on the second day, we'd slept for like three hours. Yep. We're just like out on the floor and being like, oh my God, like I got to keep going. Yeah. This is awful and I got to keep going. But uh, you have that resilience build up from yes. the other things you've done. You're like, you know what? Like, I know this is going to be hard if I continue to push myself. That's where the growth, that's the, like, yep. I mean, I remember seeing you and Dave finish, you know, 35 oh. hours in at the top yes. and you guys were just like, yeah, it it's so like such good. an amazing moment. And to have that high, high. So, you know, something that I've, you know, along these lines, like, it's just kind of a way my, my brain works visually, but I've started to think about life sort of in the experience of life in a continuum from one to 10. So, you know, one being the worst day of your life, the most pain, the hardship, whatever, and 10 being like that sort of hedonistic elation. And I think that what's interesting is sort of in our culture, in our society, that people have kind of range bound themselves between four and six. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're hedging so much against experiencing pain or hardship that they're just trying to stay in that comfort zone between five and six. And so, you know, say you have a job, but you're not super inspired at work. Like maybe a six is, you know, Saturday when you get the day off and you can like hang out with your girlfriends or if you're a guy, you know, watch a sports game or you know, whatever. Like that's yeah. like a six. Like that's your, your highest day of your week. But four is like maybe a day your boss yells at you you don't care that much because you don't care that much about your job. You're just kind of stuck in this range bound because you're trying to not experience ones. And what I've experienced and kind of what my experience was in Antarctica or other things was to experience the tens, to experience the high highs, like you also got to experience the other side of that spectrum. Allow yourself to have some of those ones. You know, I wouldn't wish the, the burn accident in Thailand on my worst enemy. You know, that was a one. That was an obvious one for me. But I also learned some of the most profound lessons of my entire life that I could take forwards to help me reach some of these tens. And so I've kind of reframed that one to 10 in my mind, like my biggest fear I've kind of not, I don't think of it as a linear sort of, you know, upward line, you know, one being at the bottom, 10 being at the highest. I've kind of think of it as a, a parabola in my mind, sort of upside down a U, a U, whereas like I want to experience ones and I want to experience tens. And I know I got to move through the fours and the fives and six and have days like that, but only so allow myself to experience the entire full spectrum of the human experience. Because I think that both sort of the, the pain and the challenge of life leads to that sort of upside and beautiful moments. And I, and I like to say something I say in my own life, life is, you know, pain is mandatory. There's going to be challenging times, but suffering is optional. And so mm, that's in the, good. That know, is so good. In those moments of pain, like you're running the eight, 18th mile of your marathon, like you are full of pain. Yeah. And it sounds like you went at the moment for a second of suffering, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is terrible. I'm never going to be able yep. to finish the next six, seven miles, you know, whatever that is like this. But actually you can go like, well, of course this is painful. I just ran 18 miles, Yeah, you know? Yeah. But I know that I don't have to allow the anxiety, the fear, the doubt, all these things to creep in. And you trained for it. You were ready. And when you finished that, you knew that there was that, you know, that close to the 10 or the higher side of that spectrum on the other side. And so to me, it's about kind of zooming out and allowing ourselves not to hedge against the ones, to hedge so afraid of that, you know, that sensation of of fear or pain and actually say, you know what? Those are growth moments. Don't necessarily seek them out, but understand they're going to happen. And those moments can teach us the most profound lessons to have the heightened experience in our life and not be kind of range bound in this kind of vanilla, you know, gray area middle of the, the fours and sixes I, every day. I, did you talk about this on your Instagram? I feel like I, I may saw. Have okay, yeah. I love because sure, yeah. I loved this concept yeah. when I saw you talk about this. But 
what I'm wondering right now as you're speaking is both with tens and with ones, you have had in your life, I've had in my life, where the definition of what one means and the definition of what 10 means have altered. Yes. So before your accident, one probably was something else entirely. Sure. So what do you think the readjustment of the reality of truly a rock bottom for you, like a true pain beyond what you imagine, what do you think that did in terms of making the capacity for 10 possible? Am I yeah, making sense? Yeah, I, I, I know. It's a great question. I think it is. it expands that. You know, it's to say, you know, people, again, have asked me, if you could go back in a time machine, would you jump that flaming jump rope? Like, does it look as enticing anymore? And obviously, I wouldn't do, if I was in Thailand right now, I wouldn't be like, oh, let's go try that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not trying to experience that again, necessarily, obviously. But what I will say is because I overcame it, because I got through that hardship, it allowed me to recalibrate sort of some of these challenging moments in my life. Like my my calibration was different to your point. And so, yes, when I was, you know, climbing Mount Everest, let's say, or and I was, you know, exhausted more beyond I've ever been, or I was out there in Antarctica, or I facing some, you know, interpersonal challenges in my own life, I can look back on this moment and been like, this is hard right now, but like I've experienced worse. And so like I know that I still have the power to get through this hardship. Yeah. And so it allows me that. What I also think is interesting on the other side of the spectrum is, um, you know, success is also an interesting thing on that, which is I imagine yourself from 10 years ago be so freaking proud of your current <laughs> yeah, self. Like, true. heck yeah, like, oh my God, like, look at all this impact you're having, this you know amazing business success, all this kind of stuff. But at some point, you know, I would imagine like you recalibrate a little bit to it. You're like, yeah. you know, here's this next level that I've had. So real. And, yeah. you know, how do you recalibrate on the 10 side as well? You know, of saying like, you know, and so I don't think that necessarily the answer is is you got to keep one upping yourself constantly, but it's also finding that peace and that calm and that um, you know kind of just uh, the places of uh, sort of simple happiness within there. And so it's not like you know sort of a drug taking high to reach the ten. You know, yeah. It's more of how do you find sort of in myself sort of the depth of emotions and the human experience. Like I said, finding the places in my mind through pushing myself and things like that uh, that become interesting to me. But I absolutely think that 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 range of one and ten or that your own personal experience recalibrates when you hit sort of new edges uh, on that spectrum. Man, you're blowing my mind right now. <sighs> I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way, as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. 
Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach do you think that you would be or would have done the things that you have done since the accident if it hadn't happened sliding doors moment you decide not to jump or you jump and nothing happens you know i think that it 100 percent has dictated my path um and 
you know, you know, that was what, what my path was in that moment was, was to jump that rope and to, you know, to get burnt, to be really taken to the depths of despair and, and, and laying bare, um, and, and shown my, you know, at 22 years old without a fully formed prefrontal cortex, it's, you know, it's easy to think like I'm invincible and to be shown like I'm, I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, um, and so I don't think that I would have been able to achieve what I have without that for sure. And really without the biggest thing is to tapping into the power of the mind. Because when I look back through that experience, like, yes, I did all the physical therapy. Yes, I had, you know, ultimately when I got back to the United States, I had like some great doctors behind me and things like that. And I don't belittle, you know, that the, the physical of that. But when I look back and really objectively look back and go like, what changed? It was that through that hardship, I was able to look into my own mind and mostly because of the guidance of my incredible mother um, to show me that and to actually give me that strength. And I don't think I would have had that mental strength, that mental resilience to be able to do what I've done without that. I, you know, I've said this many times, but, you know, even as an athlete, I think the most important muscle that we all have is the six inches between our ears Yeah, and it's our minds. But when you think about it that way, it's very easy you know, any of us, even if you're not an athlete, it's common to go, you know, I want to get stronger. Oh, I want to get more fit. So I should run or I should lift weights or I should, you know, whatever, like go to the gym. But what we fail to realize often is you want to get a stronger mind. You got to take your mind to the gym. Like you actually got to exercise that muscle because that is how muscles get stronger. And so actually building up the muscle, the, the resilience of that, that six inches between our ears actually takes daily practice. And that can come in many forms, obviously, whether that's, you know, journaling or a gratitude practice. Um, you know, for me, that's been meditation has really been the way that I take my mind in the most tangible way to the gym. You know, about nine years ago, um, I was introduced to Vipassana meditation, which are these 10 day silent meditation retreats. So, oh my gosh, Brad on our team yes, does those. And yes. he keeps trying to get me to go. Highly, Rachel. I'm I'm Rachel, I'm, I'm a throw down the gauntlet. I, I know am you're so busy. scared of it. Ten day silent meditation retreat. But can you write? <laughs> can you nope, write? No, no you can't communicate at all. That's so what he says. It's, it's ten days, no reading, no writing. There's actually a center in Kaufman, yes. Texas, like I know. two hours north That's of here. That's where he goes. That's where he goes. Because I used to live in Austin. Oh, We've I'm been so to that stressed center. out just talking about this. No, so <laughs> I was racing triathlon in 2011. You'll appreciate this story. I was racing triathlon in 2011, beginning of my professional career, and I've been racing for a couple years at that point, and. Uh, my a long friend of mine, uh, he came to the race and he brought his wife, who I didn't know super well at the time. They're recently married and she's from Turkey. And she says to me, she goes, you know, Colin, I'm not really into sports. You know, I don't watch sports. It's not really my thing. But I'm just, you know, I came because Zach wanted to support you. And he's like, been watching you, I see that like you guys are all struggling so much in your minds to push your bodies to this level. And she just asked me plain and simple, matter of fact, like, so what are you doing about that? And I'm like, well, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, I, I work out all the time. I swim, I bike, I run. She was like, no, no, no. Like, certainly you're like doing something about the mind. And I was like, oh, you know, I visualize some stuff. Or, like, I was like, this laying bare. Quick, I was like, find uh, something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she, I was like, she's like, wait, you're telling me not. She's like, she's like, I recommend that you go to these Vipassana meditation retreats. And then she introduced me to this concept. And I was like, well, tell me about it. She goes, it's completely free to go. Completely free. You don't pay anything mm-hmm. to go. And you go there to the center. There's there's 270 centers around the world. No matter where you live, there's somewhere there's one close to you. And for 10 days, it's no reading, no writing, no eye contact, deep introspection and meditation. And I'd never I go, well, I've never meditated before. She's like, she's like, I was like, she's like, yo, I'm like, yo, not like one minute. And she's like, doesn't matter. Like, just go. 
And so, you know, you know, taking her advice, I dove head first into the deep end. So me, that's way outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, there's probably people that were listening to like, I would never walk across Antarctica, of course. I yeah. don't blame you for that, by the way. Um, but you're saying like, maybe it's a 5K. For me, like I had done nothing and someone's like, offering this thing to me and I'm going like, wow, like I'm so intimidated by this. Just like yeah. what you just said. And I was like, but you know what? Like that, if I'm going to listen to my own advice, like You're I right. should do You're the so thing right. that, you know, challenges me the most. And so I have five older sisters. I'm the young, youngest. I of didn't big know family. that. Yeah, five older That's sisters. Awesome. I have been, you know, I have, I'm a product of a bunch of very strong female influences. I'm very fortunate in that regard. Um, and they always joked around me like, Colin, like will never shut up. Like <laughs> I would like just follow my sisters around their bedrooms, want to hang out with them, want to be chit chatting and talking. So I told my family I was going to do this. I mean, they love me. They're so supportive. But they're like, I have never heard you shut up for 10 <laughs> minutes in your life. Like, you're not going to last very long there. My stepdad actually dropped me off at the meditation center. And he says to me, uh, my stepdad, he's an incredible guy, but he looks at me and he goes, you know, um, I'm just going to keep the engine running because I <laughs> just don't think you're going to stay yeah. for more than about 30 minutes yeah. or so. But sure enough, I stayed the entire 10 days and it had profound results. Um, you know, and I've, I've gone back and repeated the 10 days almost every year um, over the past six or seven or eight years, I guess. Um, Jenna's done it several times as well. And it really... Um, yes, it's a deep immersion, but more than anything has taught me a daily practice. Yeah. It's given me a way to actually, like I said, flex my mind and my brain and my muscle in a way of just self-awareness. I mean, it, there's, there's nothing religious about it. There's just a basic breathing and awareness practice, mm -hmm. you know, that's really, you know, accepting of any sort of person, any faith, whatever that is. Um, but it's about getting to know yourself better. And yes, it's the funny thing about it is that I went into it being like, I want to do this so I can become a better athlete. And like when I look at the rank of the things that it's done for me, like that might be the 15th most important thing yeah. that it had. Like it has made me a better husband. It has made me a better brother. It has made me a better son. It has made me um, a more creative thinker. It has made me just more calm, you know, in my own skin. Like, there, like there's the, the list of things. And like I say to people, like it costs you zero dollars. It, it costs you 10 days of your life. And the return on investment, I, I mean, can't be undervalued. Like it has just been so important. And the other people that, you know, that I've recommended this to that have gone, I've really, I haven't, just like you said, yeah. I haven't heard a single person that have finished an endurance event that have said, oh God, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. Uh, the same thing with the 10 day of Apostle. There's not a single person that I know that has gone that's been like, Colin, that was a waste of my yeah. time. Why did you have me do Literally, that? Literally <laughs> on Sunday, we were having lunch and Brad was like, you have to do this. And yeah. I already started this by saying like, when the, when you hear something three times, that's the universe. Exactly. So I'm like, Exactly. Okay, so. <laughs> it's the universe telling me to go. I can't wait to talk to you about it after you experience it. <laughs> I'm already scared. I'm already scared. Man, I we have already done like the longest interview ever, and I feel like I could talk to you about this topic because it's just such a geek out. I want to hear everything that you have to say. One story that I think was really cool, and I just want to like finish with this because it's super interesting. You're in Antarctica. Yeah. You can talk to Jenna, but she like protected you. So will you tell like the world was watching yeah. you do this thing and you have no idea. Will you tell that story? Yeah. So, um, you know, we've kind of made a, an effort to share these stories live and kind of the, the big desire for that is that we have this kind of network of, of school kids around the world um, that we, you know, build some STEM curriculums for and they're interacting with us. It's really cool. It's amazing. Educators and teachers around the world have built, you know, curriculums around like climate and weather. And it's a really cool way for them to kind of teach these lessons while this live sort of storytelling is unfolding as well as lessons about resilience and health and wellness and things like that. Um, and so we 
kind of started with saying, when we do these expeditions, we want to share them with the world live. And I actually have this GPS tracker that, you know, pings the satellites that can tell exactly where I am. It's not like I have internet, like I have no connection to this. I have this satellite modem that I'm carrying around that takes one hour to upload this grainy image to Jenna's email address and then she can post it to my Instagram account or whatever. So I can't see any of this. It's just like this, it's almost like an old MS-DOS prompt, like dial-up modem, like sending up to the satellites. and obviously, you know, with Jenna's, you know, really, you know, she has so many skill sets. I, I go on and on about how talented she is. But one of the things that she's really mastered or figured out is sort of press and storytelling and media and all this kind of stuff. And so she kind of starts seeding this. And while I'm out there, the story kind of catches fire. I think there ends up being like eight, you know, full page, you know, front page New York Times articles. There's like just all this press and media building around this. One of the intriguing pieces that kind of caught fire as well is that we didn't talk about before, but there was actually another guy attempting the crossing at the exact same time. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and so it turned into a bit of a race. It was this Brit- a really historic, like br- uh, really accomplished British explorer at the same time. So it ended up being this like British versus this young American versus this kind of story. And, you know, ultimately um, I-, I did finish first. Um, did but he finish too? He did finish. Crazy. And I actually, I actually waited for him at the finish line. I was out of food and I wanted to fly back more than anything, but um, it was clear that he was going to finish about three days behind me. So I waited for him at the finish line so I could be the first to congratulate him wow um, it was I thought an exceptional accomplishment like I said it was a battle when him and I both pushed as hard as we could to be first and I'm proud of that I was first but ultimately out of seven billion people on the planet like there's one other guy yeah. who knows what we went through and I actually just saw him last week in London and it was amazing to see him and yeah. we still have a you know a kinship and a camaraderie about that so anyways we're in this whole I'm in this bubble right and I'm just talking to Jenna she's the only person that I you know I check in with throughout this time and she's like managing my emotions and all the you know the into the details of exactly how much food I have left in my sled and the weight and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, finally, I'm reunited with her back in Punta Arenas, um, which is southern Chile, where I finally leave Antarctica and we're flown back and we land. And, um, you know, obviously, it's amazing to see her. I, I always say, you know, I was like, you know, we walked, you know, every step together, really. Um, and, and as much as fun as it was to me to get to the edge of the continent and know I had done it, like it didn't feel like I was at the finish line until I was back in her arms, yeah. you know, truly. And um, so she, you know, we get this, of course, it's amazing. It's this tearful, you know, I've got this scraggly beard and I look like I've been through you know war but I'm just you know she still loves me thank god um and uh she goes god you must be dying to get home back in our bed you know back in our bed in Portland and just kind of just like chill out and sleep and I was like yeah so we flying home tomorrow yeah and she's like um no (laughs) actually we're flying to New York City and you're gonna be on the Today Show and I was like wait what like (laughs) and like you know obviously you know, normally that'd be a pretty cool experience and you yes. know, be able to have the platform to have the story out in the world and inspire others is, you know, it's a passion of mine. But I haven't talked to anybody yes. for two months. Yes. And before and I know it, like, yeah, like I'm just like yeah. trash. I'm exhausted. Yeah. And within 24 hours, I'm in Manhattan under the bright lights of the Today Show trying to like people like, so what did you learn out there? What was it like? Like I was like, you know, tell me the whole. And I was like, oh, I haven't even had a chance yeah. to. Assi- my, I'm back in you know reality. Yeah. So um, it was abrupt. But ultimately, um, you know, the project. And again, this goes back to the story I told way in the beginning. You know, Jenna and I in our late 20s sitting around with a couple of 
laptops, you know, Google, what's the difference between marketing and PR? And again, to, to Jenna's absolute incredible credit and her, her amazing success, she turned this into a project that had 2 billion media impressions. It was the, you know, most viewed uh, expedition in modern history. Um, and that's a testament to, you know, her belief in herself and to actually opening that laptop and taking that very first step and the thousandth step and the millionth step after that. Um, that's been our personal journey. And so it was humbling to have, you know, kind of all of that um, press and media attention. And, and I think that, you know, one thing that was interesting for me, and maybe it's a good closing thought, but, you know, people in these interviews um, started asking me some derivative of the same question in, in, this, in this month of kind of crazy press attention that happened earlier this year. And one question that kept coming up was, Colin, are you a superhuman? Like, are you a superhuman? That's, how, that's the only way you did this. You must be a superhuman. It's a weird question to have people ask you time yeah. and again. And so I thought about it for a while, but I'm like, if I'm going to keep getting this question, like I need an answer to this question. So I really thought about it. And my answer started being this. I was like, yeah, I am a superhuman. And so are you. And so is every single person listening to this podcast or whatever interview I was taking at the time. You are a superhuman too. And it just matters and depends on how we flex the six inches between our ears, how we cultivate that. Because in life, we are all going to face setbacks, moments of doubts. You know, you might be not be sitting in a tent in Antarctica, but you're going to be sitting in your own proverbial tent somewhere, afraid to go outside with the storm raging on the outside, wanting to quit, wanting to give up, full of doubts, going, why did I get myself into this? This isn't for me. You know what? But I've come to realize that we all have a choice. And there's only one question that truly matters when facing great obstacles, which is how will you respond in that moment? Are you going to lean into fear or are you going to lean into love? Like, is this what you're facing, an insurmountable obstacle, or is this a huge opportunity for growth? And we all have the ability, like achievement is not for the select few. We all have the ability to switch our mindsets towards the positive. When we do, we unlock this reservoir of untapped potential inside of ourselves. Dang it. So freaking good. Thank you so much for coming and sharing the stories and the wisdom. I am already, like, people are going to freak out. But <laughs> just your energy is palpable. And I think um, I super appreciate that. I think there are a lot of people, probably a lot of guys with some ego who would absolutely say like, yeah, there's some, I'm, I'm special. I've got a unique gift. There's something about me that's different than you. And the fact that you're willing to carry such um, humility about what it is that you do means I promise you that there will be thousands upon thousands of people just from this podcast, not, not just the book, but just from this podcast, who make a life-changing decision because you've made them believe it's possible in their lives. So I just want to honor you for that. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, I'm a huge admirer of yours. I think the work that you're doing is absolutely exceptional and the power and energy that you put out in the world is is infectious. So keep up all of that. It's a, it's a pleasure to know you and I'm so glad we met yeah, out there on that mountain. On the mountain. <laughs> oh, so tell people, so the book is called? Yeah, so the book is called The Impossible First. Um, it's, uh, like I said, it's a memoir about my life and through Antarctica. But, you know, I guess apropos to your last comment, which is, it's not a niche adventure book. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're going to learn about walking across Antarctica and the challenges faced in that. But like, this is a love story. This is a story about a mother and a son. This is a story about Jenna and I falling in love and having big hopes and big dreams 
and being crushed at first, but <laughs> persevering to figure out this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. You know, there this is a book that is is definitely for a wider audience than just what you might think, you know, if you've read Colin is a four-time world record holder who's walked across Antarctica by himself. There's definitely something for the adventure enthusiasts in this book, but it's really a book that I hope has, uh, you know, a broad scope to it. So yeah, it's called The Impossible First. It's out on February 4th. I don't know exactly when this podcast's out, but uh, uh, if it's out by then, pick up the book. Yes. If not, pre-order it. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, thank you so much for having me on the yeah, show. Yeah, thanks for being here. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.